Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for uh, tuning in today. And if you're listening on podcast later tonight, boy, did you come to a good uh, episode of Afternoons with me because we're going to talk today about how depression affects relationships. Because I I read a statistic the other day that one out of four adults are depressed. So there's a lot of people suffering with depression right now. And boy, does it affect relationships. My guest for the hour is... uh, Janita Pace. She's a licensed professional counselor. She's also an adjunct professor and an author. Janita, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. Yeah. So this is a very serious topic, and I know you've got some history with depression yourself. Yeah. You know, even though I'm a counselor and I'm an author, I have struggled with depression for 20 years. Okay. And so, yes, this topic is so special and important to me because it's something that I've traveled through myself. Mm-hmm. And seeing how it impacts relationships, you know, and, and how people around me have struggled with me. So this topic is definitely special to me. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how depression affects relationships. So maybe we should start with talking about the need for relationships. You know, it's so hard sometimes to ask for help. And I think in my own depression, in my own struggles early on, um, I ended up attempting suicide 20 years ago. And I look back and I think part of the journey was I isolated myself from people. I felt like I was too much of a burden. And I think our culture says, you know, you've got this. You can do it yourself. But when it comes to depression, you really can't. Mm -hmm. And so I was too hesitant to ask for help because I was ashamed. And you are a pastor's wife. Yes. And we were in the ministry at that time. And I felt pressure to be a good pastor's wife, to be in the, the church. Best. That's right. Not be the good, best. the best. The best. Mm-hmm. And that I should be ministering to everyone else. So the idea that I had to come forward and admit that I was unhappy and hurting and feeling worthless and hopeless, oh, that was just too hard for me at the Th- time. Those stakes are high mm-hmm. to come forward with that kind of information. What do you do? What happens next? Well, you know, obviously after I ended up in a psychiatric hospital, everybody knew and it was really hard to begin to come to terms with that. But it was so freeing when I finally realized how powerful it is to have a community and how important it is to have people come alongside and help me through that. I I told someone it felt like I fell into a well and broke both my arms and I couldn't get out. Mm. And instead of people throwing ropes to get me to help myself out, I needed someone to come down in the well and help me. Were you afraid people were going to be judgmental? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Was that your biggest fear? It was. And to be honest, I did have some people judge me. Hmm. Uh, You know, unfortunately, the elders at the church we were at at the time didn't understand depression. And so, yes, there were people that judged me. So it is a risk when you start talking about your depression that some people are not going to understand. So if you were a better Christian, you might not be depressed. Yes. Is that the message? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, and it it just creates more shame and hurt. Or mm-hmm. people would throw verses at me um, real flippantly, like, you know, have the joy of the Lord. Or, you know, it just continually suggesting that because I was struggling, I just wasn't in tune with God. Yeah. Well-intentioned people. 
Yes. Right? Yes. Dear godly brothers and sisters in Christ that are doing whatever they can to help. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, damaging. I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus, however, uh, was a man of sorrow. Yeah. You know, one of the things I so appreciate about Jesus, there's so many things, but one thing that's specifically like special to me is how he was so transparent about being emotionally hurt. Um, We even see him afraid in the garden. And so he is very transparent about his emotions. And I feel for him because I think when we read his life, he was very much alone. I don't think many people understood what he was really doing. We know John the Baptist understood him, but we see, you know, different stories where his disciples and even his family didn't really stand by him very often when what he was trying to accomplish and do. Mm -hmm. And just to circle back to something you already said about culture says, you've got this. Mm -hmm. I think uh, we're people that pick ourselves up by our, our bootstraps and we make things happen and we're supposed to, you know, get through everything. And Mm -hmm. Jesus pretty much showed us that he doesn't do life alone. Yeah, the fact that he would pursue talking to the Father and the Spirit would help him. He's mm-hmm. never alone. He's in community all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I love even the story where Moses and Elijah um, come and meet with him in Matthew 17. What a strange story. But the fact that he even takes time to be with old friends and <laughs> <laughs> literally old friends. Yeah, those are old friends. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But the fact that he would pursue people who understood yeah. Because his disciples didn't quite understand yet. And so finding those that really did understand what he was going through. Mm-hmm. Janita Pace is my guest. We're talking about depression in relationships and relationships. So I I know that Jesus is, you know, in the Trinity. He's constantly in a community, um, yet he was always with other people. And, and I know that his work created exhaustion for him, right? Because we hear read about that asleep on a cushion on a boat in the middle of a storm, yeah. you know, and just the ministry where he would do ministry and then he would go try to have some refuel, re-energy, re-energize mm-hmm. time. Um, so did you find yourself kind of at a place of burnout trying to make everyone happy? Absolutely. Okay. And I think what's so sad about depression is you don't necessarily show it on the daily level when you do have it. And so Oftentimes I'll have clients come in and say, my friends don't understand because they say, well, you don't look depressed. You know, you don't seem depressed. But the truth is you can be very hollow feeling inside and still be surrounded by people. And that's what I experienced. Again, it was really hard to open up. But man, once you find the right people to come alongside you um, and once people know how to come alongside, it's it's really an important combination. Mm -hmm. So when you had a suicide attempt, you were trying to do it alone, weren't you? I was. And I look back and I was in so much pain. And to be clear, I still struggle. I still have to talk to my people, Mm -hmm. my good friends, my family. I have to tell them where I'm at. And it can still be hard because, like you said, you want to do it alone. You want to be able to carry your life alone. And that's just not how we're designed. And it's honestly not how God's designed. Mm -hmm. What are some triggers you have, Janita? Burnout is definitely one of them. I, I can, think so. Yeah, I yeah. can see myself trying to do too much. Honestly, I think part of mine is biological. So I will have times when I feel down and I can't pinpoint why, mm-hmm. which sometimes is scary. Yeah. And you feel like you have to have a reason. And sometimes I don't. I just feel really worthless and hopeless. And those times can be scary because I don't have a an event to pinpoint. Mm-hmm. And depression uh, will sometimes drive you away from others, won't it? Because you yes. do want to isolate. You don't want to have to have 
people asking you questions mm-hmm. and you have to be accountable to people when you're feeling flat, mm-hmm. what do you do? You know, it's been a really hard journey, but really important to learn how to verbalize when I'm in pain, because you're right. It, it's the desire to get alone and stay alone in the dark. I tell people that it feels like I don't want to get out of bed. My my covers feel like they weigh 100 pounds and I just want to stay. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to allow other people to come and coach me out of those situations. But depression, I think one of its most powerful um, tools against me and against others is driving us to isolation. Mm-hmm. You know, being at that well, having your arms broken and not wanting to ask anyone to get you out. It's, it, it's you know, you can feel embarrassed. You can feel ashamed. And sometimes, honestly, I, I think, oh, I don't even know if I want to do the work because it is a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. How does the body of Christ help you when you're in a position of feeling depressed or flat? Because when we come along and throw a Bible verse at you, that doesn't work. Right. And, you know, yeah. we, like we have good intentions, but maybe we just don't have a clue. Well, I was really fortunate when I w- went through the early stages of my depression back in uh, the early 2000s that I did have a woman who had had depression. And um, after I got out of the hospital, she just came over and started practically helping me, you know, just urging me, hey, you know, I know you don't want to get out of bed, but let's just sit up in bed together. Okay. Great. You're doing good. Okay, now let's get into the bathroom, brush your teeth. Awesome. And it's the person who realizes that every one of those steps is really hard. Mm -hmm. So what normally might be simple on a daily basis is suddenly very painful. And these little steps you were taking were very big steps, weren't they? They were, yeah. From laying in bed to sitting in bed. Mm -hmm. And that's a big step. It is a big step. That day it was anyway. Absolutely. Getting to the bathroom to brush your teeth, big step. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think as Christians, we feel if we're not evangelizing and we're not bringing people to the Lord and we're not out there changing the world, then we're not doing something that's worshipful to God. But there's days when honestly, the biggest and, you know, the biggest thing I can offer God is to get out of bed, brush my teeth and sit outside. And he knows that. And that's mm-hmm. what's so beautiful is he knows our heart. Mm-hmm. So he knows what we can offer. And I just appreciate that about him so much. Mm-hmm. You always felt loved by him, didn't you? Yeah, it, in the in the company of the right believers, I did. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And we're not criticizing the ones that weren't helpful. Yeah. But I, one of the reasons I think it'd be very helpful on this show today is if we continue the discussion throughout the hour about helpful things we can do and say. Yeah. So we can be better equipped. Yeah, that would be great to help people because I know people want to help. They do want to help. Yeah. And I think the uncertainty of what's going on in a depressed person's life makes people very tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of, you know, I'm so nervous. What, what's what's going to happen? What are you going to do? You know, and then we we want to push. Yeah. Let's get you to the next level, whatever <laughs> right. that is. Right. And I think sometimes people want to help because they're in pain watching the person in pain. There you go. Yeah. Figuring out a way to be comfortable with your own discomfort. Yeah. That's something I try to tell myself often. Yeah. And it's it's hard for all of us to yeah. watch people struggle and... We just want to do it. Yeah. Janita Pace is my guest. She is a licensed counselor, an adjunct professor, and an author. We're talking about how depression affects relationships. Anything you hear today that you might have a question or comment about, you're so welcome to text me. Let me know what that is. And maybe if you have a question for Janita, she would be more than happy to answer it. The text line is open, 877-933-2488. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back.
are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome to the show. So glad you uh, joined in today. We're, we're talking to Janita Pace about depression and how it affects relationships. Chances are really good you are involved with someone in your life that has some depression and they're going through it. And we're going to do our very best to sort of break it down a little bit and see how we can be uh, better brothers and sisters in Christ to those who might be suffering. And we're going to continue to talk to uh, Janita about her experience. And and another thing, Janita, is we need to make depression the enemy, not each other, right? Yeah. Say more about that. You know, I think early on when Tim and I, because Tim's my husband and we first came home after the hospital, we felt really disoriented And as we're both trying to sort this out, it's frustrating for both of us. And I think there was a point where we realized that we had to think about depression as the third person in our marriage in a way and make that the common enemy instead of seeing each other's faults, seeing each other where we fall short and getting frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I kind of go back to in Ephesians when it talks about a shield, how we have a shield in our faith. And the types of shields that are in that verse have to do with the Roman shields that were like doors and they would click them together so that they could advance against the enemy. But the only way it worked is if the shields were clicked together. Mm -hmm. Um, But if people separated and there was any room, then it didn't work. And I think oftentimes that's a powerful picture of us as believers clinking our shields together and, and continually having grace for each other, but also realizing that we have to make depression the enemy, not each other. I love that. So let me intersperse a few questions that have come in on the text line. Yeah, All right. absolutely. Um, and do you struggle with memory loss or memory problems? You know, when I'm at my darkest place, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. I think that at the darkest place of my depression, your cognitive skills, uh, it's really difficult. You think about your brain is trying to survive something that's so painful and it can mess with all kinds of parts of our sure. cognitive abilities. So Yeah. And that can make it difficult in a marriage, you know, when, when someone is struggling with that, even on just the daily and, um, or with other people you love when they're forgetting things or they're not, they're not functioning like they used to, it can be really, really difficult. And Mm -hmm. I try to tell my clients, you know, the person in front of you, who's really struggling with depression, um, the depression isn't them. This isn't the real version of them. Mm -hmm. This is somebody that is going through a struggle, but the core of who they are is still there. Mm -hmm. Janita, here's a, a very vulnerable question. How do you go about finding a good counselor? It's such a scary step because you don't know if they're going to mess with your brain because you're trusting them and opening up and being vulnerable. That's what keeps me from seeking counsel. That's a great point because I have been to some wonderful counselors. I've been to some terrible counselors and it is really scary. I mean, you're walking into a room and you are you know, giving a piece of who you are, putting it out in front of this person and hoping that they will handle it with care and that they'll be respectful and they will also be, you know, inspirational and helping you grow. And so honestly, the, the best I can tell um, that person is it really is a process, but don't give up. Like I said, I went to two back to back that were not good fits for me. Going into that third person, I was really, really nervous, really, really hopeful and it worked out. And so just encouraging that person keep going keep mm-hmm. trying you you see clients in a counseling session don't you yeah i do yeah yeah so i think this um call or this text that came in appears to have a minneapolis area code yeah so, so i'm i'm in burnsville minnesota three rivers counseling yeah yeah three, yeah three yep. rivers council three rivers 
MN.com. Yeah, so um, threeriversmn.com. Yep. And on that website, there's also other resources sure. that I have out there, my story, and because I just really want Christians especially to not feel alone. Yeah. And could you also do a Zoom call with someone who's out of state? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not able to counsel people in other states because of my licensure, gotcha. but um, the story that I have out there and then the book I wrote, there's also a, a downloadable group guide so people can do it together. Okay. All right. Yeah. Here's another question. How can you pinpoint when the depression of someone else drags others to depression? Wow, that is a great question. And it's something that we don't talk enough about. You know, one of the things that my husband is really passionate about is he felt after coming through my hospitalization, he didn't have any resources. So here I'm getting all the prayer, I'm getting all the resources, I'm going to a counselor. And he said, I felt like I was drowning trying to keep you up. And so now Tim and I are really passionate about making sure that people who are helping others are getting resources themselves because they can't do it alone either. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important the minute that you realize someone you love is struggling, make sure you're getting your own help. Mm-hmm. So Janita Pace is my guest. And Kate, Janita, when, when someone is depressed, are, are they are they exhibiting a version of themselves that's not really them? I think that I did. I think that the... You had to, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, because the, the, the true me loves horseback riding. Um, I think I'm funny. I, <laughs> I, you know, I like laughing. I like doing board games. I, I like being outside. Um, I love talking to people. And then the depression brought on almost like a cloud, a blanket over all of that. So I was going about my day-to-day life, but mm-hmm. I had lost all interest in things I loved I wasn't engaged in conversation anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think the depression really steals that person away. Mm -hmm. Another question just came in. I'm wondering if you have found diet or other holistic practices to be helpful to you. Well, I definitely think there is, like I said, my biology has a big piece to do with it. And that's, I mean, antidepressants are a huge piece of, you know, not being afraid of medications, not being afraid of going to your doctor. And I definitely think, you know, just our daily habits, whether it's sleep, eating, all of the pieces of our body, we have to make sure we're taking care of. Mm-hmm. But I have seen sometimes people afraid to pursue medications because they think, well, then I just don't have enough faith. And I try to tell people our bodies are just as much part of this as our minds and our emotions. Right. So it's all one package. Yeah. Really. So if you need insulin, mm-hmm. does that mean you don't have enough faith? That's a great train of thought. That's exactly what I, I try to tell my clients. You know, this is an illness, so don't be afraid. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love for you to, to say more, Janita, about depression as a third person. That's an interesting idea, and maybe you can help flush that out some more. Yeah, sometimes when I have couples come in or I have families come in, I want them to talk about the depression as a separate person. Because if we're talking about the depression, sometimes it is difficult for the person who's struggling to not feel an identity with depression, Mm. but that's not who they are. Interesting. So oftentimes Tim and I will talk about depression in my life as a separate piece, you know? And so instead of Tim saying, you know, how are you feeling today? He'll ask me like, okay, how's the depression today? Like, are you, know, are you able to, to fend it off? Do you need help? Mm. And and that way it's not, it's not about me. I, I, Janita Pace is, is a happy person. The depression comes on and makes it difficult for me to be me. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting because mm. you're you're talking about it a little removed, right? Yeah, because it's not me. <laughs> I like that because yeah. it's not you. No. Yeah. All right. Another question: How do you know if your partner is depressed? My husband blames me for his unhappiness and wants a divorce. I truly feel like 
he is depressed and won't go in meds or consider this idea. How do you get someone help who doesn't want help? Oh, that that question always breaks my heart because it's so common. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot. And the hardest part about this illness, I think, is the person who is struggling has to come to terms and they have to be willing to participate in the care. So again, you go back to that analogy. If someone goes down into the well to help the person with broken arms, if they won't accept the help, you know, that they refuse it, there's nothing that person down there can do. And so a big piece of this is someone who's depressed has to come to the realization that I need help. And sometimes it takes something really bad in order for that to come to light. So for me, unfortunately, I didn't even come for help until I had a suicide attempt. That's how bad it had to get for me. So I understand the person who's not willing to get help. It's so difficult because at some point they're going to have to realize that they can't do it alone and they need the resources. I always wonder, how do you bring the bottom up? Because people say, well, they haven't hit bottom yet. I go, I don't want them to hit bottom. I know. Let's bring the bottom up so they make the decision to get help before something like a suicide attempt happens in your life. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, advocating for that person to consider um, counseling, advocating for them to consider who they used to be and who they are now, Mm -hmm. giving them, you know, continual support that I'll go with you. I want to be here to help you. Those are all pieces that are really important. Listening and not shaming and again, I think also protecting people from the Christians who mean well, but will be judgmental, helping them navigate where to get resources that are safe. Those are all pieces. But I do tell people, and my husband would tell people as well, you can't make someone participate in treatment. Mm-hmm. As much as you'd like to. I know, I know, as much as you'd like to. Because you kind of can observe what might be best for them. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty clear and obvious, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel for the people that were in my life when I attempted suicide. And although I hit it pretty well, but my husband was really in the depths of it with me and Mm -hmm. that I had to get to that point where I decided to participate Mm -hmm. and get help. Follow up text to the previous one, Janita, is he has a therapist, but he paints a different picture. Should I email his therapist about my concerns? Mm. I have to say that as a therapist, I always want the family's feedback. Okay. So I would encourage a therapist. I mean, therapists... Um, they know that the person coming in is one image, they're getting their one image of that what that person feels yeah. is going on. But having the people in their lives give feedback and information is so important. Because if you're only getting one version, that's all you know. Right. So you have to go off that one version. Oh, yeah. And there are times when Tim will say, How, how's it going? And I'll say, oh, I think I'm pretty good. And he'll say, well... <laughs> you might be thinking you're stronger than you are right now. And and he will have feedback that I'm not noticing. So it is important. We, we have to do this in community. We have to get other people to give us feedback. Mm-hmm. Janita Pace is my guest. She's a uh, professional licensed counselor. She's an author and a professor. So glad to have her in studio. We're talking about depression and how depression affects relationships. If you have a question or something you would like asked on the program, all you have to do is send me a text, 877 Eight four. Meanwhile, Ryan's going to play a little banjo music as we go into break. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity, in a special repeat performance. Let's get it started. 
What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. If you just joined me, oh, you've missed a lot already because Janita Pace is my guest in studio. She is a licensed professional counselor, a professor, an adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern. And she's also an author. She's written a book called Healing Names of Jesus. Now, we're not really talking about your book today because we've talked about it before, but your book is really good. Uh, well, Seriously. Y- well, you know, it was so healing to do it. I bet. To share strategies that I have used for myself and yeah. give it to other people. Yeah, because today we're talking about how depression affects relationships. But would you want to just in 90 seconds throw out a healing name of Jesus just as a tease? Oh, man, there are so many I good know. ones. I think one that fits this really well is, um, you know, I love talking about the Holy Spirit. Yes. And how he is both a lawyer and a counselor. And, it, you know, there's no there's no way to capture what that looks like. And um, so the Greek word is paraclete. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no way to translate that in an English word. And the idea that we have a counselor who comes and lives inside of us, agrees to feel our pain with us, so agrees to be depressed with us, and also agrees to advocate against Satan in the world that we are redeemed, and agrees to listen and hear our prayers. And when we don't know what to pray, we'll pray on our behalf. And I imagine the Spirit actually always praying for us continually, talking Mm -hmm. to Jesus and God about us. So what a beautiful picture. And I think I really didn't understand how the Spirit takes on our pain with us until just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Janita, let's talk about the person hurting and and how that person uh, would need to be patient with the helper. Yeah, I, you know, again, Tim and I have navigated this in our marriage. It's very difficult in a marriage. And there would be times when Tim would make choices that would make it worse for me. And, you know, I would get frustrated and feel like, well, he's not doing his part. How can I get better if he keeps making these mistakes or he keeps saying those types of things? But realizing that it's a learning curve for him too. And there are times when your helper is going to mess up. I mean, honestly, there's going to be times when they don't say the helpful thing or they push you and it's painful. And so having, giving them some patience too, that this is hard. And, and, you know, again, understanding that they're under a lot of pressure too. Mm -hmm. This affects them directly as well. What about people that you love that have made mistakes? You have some stories about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love the people in my life. But, you know, one example that Tim talks about that he regrets is there was a period where I was struggling to get out of bed in the mornings. My depression was, I was getting better, I was getting stronger, but I was still struggling and he would um, demand that we be to church on time. He did not want to be late. He felt like that was um, disrespectful to people in the church. And so he would get upset with me if we left late and felt like he would motivate me if he just pushed me harder, that I would just want to get out of bed more because I knew we should be there. Well, that had the opposite effect <laughs> because then I felt shame and guilt when I couldn't get up. Mm-hmm. And Tim over time recognized that this was not helping and changed He's now so gracious and will say, hey, I just want you to get there if you can. Mm-hmm. And hey, if, if you need more time, then I'll have someone come over because he's a pastor. You know, I have to be there on time, but I'll make sure you have what you need. And if you have to watch online today, that's okay. And it's incredible how just the, the breathing room with that gave me so much more strength to do it. <laughs> and so, but we do look back and we talk about that, that there are, there are periods where Tim thought he was doing helpful things, but they were actually hurting. Mm-hmm. If I may make an observation, and pardon me if this sounds hurtful, but it sounds like the first phase was Tim was 
concerned a little bit about Tim and mm-hmm. his image. Yeah. No offense, Tim, if no. you're listening. Um, and the second round is Tim is way more loving and interested in you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, Tim and I are actually going to be doing um, in Lakeville, Minnesota on October 17th, we're going to do a live conversation about what we went through. I think that it's hard for couples to navigate how to get that train rolling Mm -hmm. where you are working together against the depression. It's difficult because you are going to hurt each other in that process. And yeah, Tim realized, oh my gosh, I'm thinking more about what the other people in the church are thinking. Um, That's what I meant. I'm not being critical of Tim. No, no. It's just an observation. Oh, of course I do. Absolutely. I just want to reiterate that for other people that are listening, that you do kind of transfer and realize, oh my gosh, I have to take my eyes off of other things and look at my spouse. So, Mm -hmm. and Tim would say, yes, absolutely. And that was a process for him. Yeah. So how important is in working for your relationship that you're doing everything possible to take care of yourself? It's the hardest job. But it's that, so important. Yeah. It's so important. Take care of yourself. You know, go to those therapy appointments, track your medications, go see your psychiatrist or your doctor, get into support groups, um, talk to other Christians. If you have situations or if you have incidences that are negative or hurtful, don't give up. Mm-hmm. You know, find those people. It can be really hard to do and keep asking for help. How do you make those good choices, though, when you're in the depths of depression? Because I know right now we can talk about it, right? Right. right. But what happens when you're in bed and the covers are 100 pounds? Yes. And everything you just said sounds really lovely. Go to therapy, take your meds, get your mentors involved and keep people in your life. But you can't. Yep. And that's where I have to have other people. So not only do I have Tim, but I have uh, some trusted friends. And I'm I'm thankful. I also have um, my mom um, doesn't have depression, but she read all kinds of books. She got all educated as much as she could. And so between my whole team... And it takes a team of people. I have team members who will come and say, okay, hey, I know you're in a dark place. Let's just sit up. Let's just go brush our teeth. You're doing awesome. And I think that goes back to the idea that we we need a team, not just one person, but we need a group. It goes, you know, think about in the story where the paralytic was lowered before Jesus. And it took a whole group of people to carry that man to a roof and lower him down. And I think that's really a picture of what you need. You mm-hmm. need a whole team of people to lower you before Jesus on those days where you can't walk and there's no way you can do it yourself. Yeah. And I think in that story, just because we're talking about that, mm-hmm. the guy on the mat had to be the most courageous. Yeah. Think of what they were putting him through some guy's roof and planting him in a busy, <laughs> crowded room yeah. in front of the guest of honor. Right. That took courage. It did. Yeah. And to trust that these friends were going to do what was necessary yeah. and needed. And that's a great point because there are times when I do push back on my friends and my loved ones and they have to push back a little bit on me. Yeah. Where I say, no, I can't, I can't. And they're like, I hear what you're saying. I totally understand how hard this is. Let's do this one step at a time. But I really think it's important. Mm-hmm. And that's how we fight depression as a third party. Yeah. And why does that not backfire? Because when Tim did it, it backfired. But when friends do it, it doesn't seem to be backfiring. Well, Tim has gotten to a place where he he actually is probably the best at it. So it just took time. Um, But I think what I was so fortunate to have is friends and family members who were willing to learn how to help me. And it, it is takes, I tell people that talk about loved ones who have depression. It does take a lot of learning. There's a learning curve to this. Mm hmm. Janita Pace is my guest. She's a professional licensed counselor. She's a professor and she's also an author. So it's always nice to um, have her 
here. She's uh, written a book called The Healing Names of Jesus, which is a great book, but we're not really focusing on that today. We're talking about how depression affects relationships. Um, Janina, what's the difference between, say, depression and like severe moodiness? It can be a little harder to find that. I bet. Yeah. One thing I do tell people, I don't want them to get into the trap of feeling like you have to have a hardcore diagnosis in order to need help. Whether it's mood swings or it's you can't get out of bed. If you find yourself in a place where your mental health is impacting your life, it's mm-hmm. impacting your friends, your family, then get help. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to have a hardcore diagnosis to get help. And mm-hmm. I I mean, I, I go to counseling. I think that everyone should go to counseling. I think, I mean, what's better than having someone who their whole focus is to listen to you, give you positive, you know, regard to listen and love unconditionally. I think that's yeah, so just useful. Air it out once in a while. You <laughs> right. know, with a professional professionally trained person. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we need people like that to hold up a mirror so we can really see what's mm-hmm. emotionally and mentally happening with us because we can't ourselves. But there's risks to doing that, mm-hmm. especially if you want to make an appointment for counseling and your spouse would say, well, "What are you doing that for?" Yeah. Yeah. And that might be a threatening situation. Yeah, or Especially I have, if, if it's expensive. Right. And I have kids tell me too, they ask their parents for a counselor and their parents say, well, what do you mean? What's wrong? Exactly. And I, I try to just encourage people and get the word out. You don't even have to know what's wrong or even have much wrong in order to go see a counselor. It's just so invaluable to have that resource. And that person can walk you through kind of where you're at and, and help you determine, you know, what kind of care you need. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know, Janita, that your uh, best friend is listening. Oh, man. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. She's li- she's li- listening in Asheville, North Carolina. I have a lot of friends. <laughs> but this is, <laughs> My this is one of friend. your best friends. I'm guessing that's Mary Ernst if I was going to guess who that is. Well, yeah. I don't know who it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that'd be something she would do. How nice is that, though? <laughs> I mean, it is. I have to say that it is incredible. I was scared to come out with my story because one thing you're taught in school when you're going through your program to become a counselor is to not share weakness about yourself. And so I didn't tell people about my suicide attempt for a long time. And bringing it out into the open was scary. I did it just a few years ago. But man, people have been so gracious. And so many people have come out and said, me too. I'm mm. struggling. Me too. And so I just want to promote a community where that's what we do. And create a safe space mm-hmm. where they can come to you and say, I was, I was having those thoughts myself. Yeah, and how beautiful that Jesus in the garden before he dies. I mean, he has this huge, I mean, I would call it a panic attack. I mean, his body is responding. He is scared. He's afraid. And that he would ask God and an angel would come and strengthen him. So how beautiful that he shows us this is what it looks like to ask for help. And you Mm -hmm. can do that at any time. Yeah. Well, I want to start um, asking you questions about people that do want to show up and help. Yeah. Uh, So I'm a person that wants to help. And I need to be patient with the person who's hurting. Yeah. And that's going to require something of me that I may not readily have Mm -hmm. because we're all a little impatient, aren't we? Yeah. And it is hard when you're living in it. And I think about Jesus, how many times it says in the Bible that he went to the wilderness to be alone. Mm -hmm. And I picture how many people did he have to pass who were hurting to get to the woods? I mean, you would would have to keep passing people who were demanding help. Yeah. And, and you would have to keep going. And so there are going to be times where you have to take time. You know, you have to be 
able to replenish yourself. Yeah. And, and Jesus models that that's, I mean, if he, Jesus needed it when he was alive. I'm sure we need it too. Yeah. I think it's an old George Washington axiom when he was asked if he was given eight hours to cut down a tree, what would he do? And he said, I'd spend the first hour sharpening the saw. <laughs> you know? There you go. Well, yes. Yeah. If you're not getting restored or recharged or getting yeah. a quiet time with the Lord and, and having that truth, you've got to speak truth to your heart, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not what you feel, it's what you know. Yeah. And and I think that's the hardest part. If it, Tim had mentioned to me, it, it's so hard to watch someone you love struggle with this and know that you, at the end of the day, you can't save them. Right. They they are the ones that are in the fight. You're joining with them, but they're in the fight. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard. Yeah. Janita Pace is my guest. We're talking today about how depression affects relationships. If you've got a question for Janita, you can certainly send it over. The text line is open, listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. Janita Pace is my guest in studio. We're talking today about how depression affects relationships. And if you have a question, you can send it over. The text line is open, 877-933-2484. Janita's story is pretty amazing. She's gone through depression and still... I think what time to time you deal with it. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. So it's still, still mm-hmm. around, isn't it? Yeah. But you talk about it in the third person. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very important for me to do that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I start to identify with it. Yeah, and no need to do that, right? Right. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the people that are helping uh, the hurting. So that would be people who are depressed, who are hurting, and then the people that come along and try to help them. Uh, they want to try to pray and support the hurting. Um, but what about when the helper starts to care as much as the hurting, sometimes even more? Yeah, it's really hard for the helpers. Uh, and, it, you know, there's something called secondary trauma where you can actually begin to go into a depressive state yourself, you know, feeling wow. like you are beginning to take on um, the beast yourself. And, and you know, you imagine you go down into the well and the person won't get help. And now you're in the well with them and, and they won't come with you to get out. And you can't stay there. I mean, you you know, you got to go back up for air. And so I try to continue to coach the helpers to get their own therapist, get their own support system. And it's it's hard sometimes for them to reconcile that. But it's just as important for them to have support as the person who's struggling. Yeah. Another question, Janina. Did scripture play a role at all in the healing? Absolutely it did. I think that's where the book really came into play. It's full of scripture. I think the scriptures handled in the right way is a tool that's for healing. Now, I will say, I think it's powerful that in Ephesians, the scripture is called a sword because, you know, with a with a sharp instrument, you can either do surgery and heal people or you can hack into people right. and you can damage them. And so the, the scriptures have to be handled appropriately to be helpful. Otherwise, they cause more damage. Mm-hmm. So another uh, listener texted in 
and relationship ended. Depression and anxiety kicked in. That was big. Um, went to, got some help mm-hmm. and, and it did feel better. And mm-hmm. my head feels normal again. What about trying to have any hope for rekindling that past relationship? Wow, that's a hard thing. It's very hard. Yeah, when you lose things over depression, that is so. so I'm not sure she lost it over depression. Mm. He or she, Um, it just said as my relationship ended recently, and and depression and anxiety were huge. So, let me read that again, and it says yes, I think depression and anxiety were huge factors. Yeah. So I think now she got he or she got help, Mm -hmm. and now kind of wondering, am I going to get another chance? Yeah. Do you see that happen ever? Well, I do. I, I do see couples not make it because the anxiety and depression got in the way. Sure. It kind of depends on how the helper came through it themselves. You know, are they in a place where they can re-engage in that? And and being aware that, like for myself, depression isn't something that I'm 100% over. It's something I have to maintain and manage. Um, every story is different. But you, if you're in that position and depression is part of your life, you need a helper who can step in and step out and, and take care of themselves at the same time. So it kind of depends on how that helper, you know, if they can manage that piece and that role in life or if they can't. Mm-hmm. God does not deal lightly with suffering, does he? No. Yeah. Yeah. And that great verse in Psalm thirty four eighteen, he's close to those who are crushed in spirit. Yeah, that's my... One of my favorite verses. Mine too. Yeah. So did you have a dream regarding painful situations? I did. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a prophet. I don't have like all these, you know, prophetic dreams, but I did have a dream one time that really helped me with this. And in the dream, um, I woke up, I'm, I'm in the upper part of this house. It's again, it's not my house, but I go to the window and I see in the yard, I see my husband and my daughter. I don't have a daughter, but in the dream, I have this little girl and I see the snake and the snake um, before I can yell out, bites her mm. and she dies. And then wow. in the dream, I am at the funeral and I'm weeping and I'm broken. And in the dream, I go through years. I go through grief and I meet people and the story becomes part of my ministry. And I, I make all these new friends through it. And all of these things change my life. And at the very end of the dream, I wake up and I'm back to the morning before the snake bite. And I go to the window and I see my daughter and I see the snake and then God is standing with me and he, he's crying and he says, choose because now you know what will be lost if we don't let this happen. And oh my gosh, that dream still makes me cry because it's that moment where you realize that God has already done all the math and he knows that if that doesn't happen, then all the the things that are meant to happen won't. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's hurt. And then he told me, this is what I do every day. This is what I do every day. I don't want people to suffer. I see how suffering can bring about amazing things. Mm -hmm. And I don't tell that story flippantly because I have suffered a lot in my life and there's still things that have happened to me that I'm still trying to reason out. What is the point of that? But in that dream, it just made me aware that God is in a terrible position every day where he loves us. He knows that our suffering is painful. He agrees to suffer with us. And he sees the long term and how it can impact others. And so that's been my, it's been a 20 year journey, but seeing how that suffering has produced things that I never could have dreamed before. Mm -hmm. Janita, if you are in a relationship with someone who's depressed and you maybe even feel a little codependent, how do you get a time of refreshment? How do you take a break? 
when you'd feel guilty to take a break? I think that's where community has to come in. Okay. I mean, people, um, you can't do this alone. And just like in the dream I described, in the years that followed the, the death of my daughter in that dream, there were so many people and I had faces of all these people that I never would have met otherwise. I think that's why we're called sheep is that sheep, they live in a flock. Mm-hmm. That's how they stay alive and that's how they thrive in a community. And that's what we're meant to be. We have to stay together. Mm-hmm. And so we're not meant to be two people working through depression in a relationship. We're meant to be, you know, five, ten people that are coming alongside and filling in the gaps. Mm-hmm. I know in recovery, if there's someone who's struggling with uh, alcoholism and a person in that family might attend a, a um, Al-Anon meeting mm-hmm. because they need to know how to survive and how to thrive right. with an alcoholic in the house. Mm-hmm. So what happens when that person in the house is really at wit's end and he or she uh, needs to find support and they're having a hard time doing it? Well, that's where it's really hard to fight for that support. And again, I think it's really difficult for people to, you know, you, when you need it so bad, it's it's hard to keep going to look for it. Yeah. You know, you can feel like you're running out of energy. But I think that's that's a passion that Tim and I have now. And we, we want people to find those communities and find that support and not be alone. Mm-hmm. There's a really great resource called uh, Life Support Resources, and they've put together um, videos and training um, for those that are trying to help and stories about people that have come through terrible things. I have to say before I went through depression myself, I really thought about it as something other people go through, you know, like, oh, there are depressed people in the world. That's so sad for them. Mm-hmm. And um, if I ever met someone with that, I would, you know, give them scripture and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then when you go through it, you have a whole new perspective on it. And so finding people that have gone through it, I think is important too. Yeah. um, I think of the people who want to help and want to be so loving and caring and they're in a position where they're usually the the person suffering from the depression takes a lot of the oxygen out of the, out of the room because they can't help it. Yeah. Um, And that's where they have, the helper has to leave that room and get air themselves. I mean, they have to, you have to have people that are supporting you. Otherwise you, you will break, you'll crack. And, um, and so that's where that community comes in. It's just so important to have people. And Tim has had it where he's, he's called friends or he's called other people in our family to come and take over for him so he can get a break mm-hmm. when I'm in a really bad place. Mm-hmm. And those people know what to do. And yeah. so he has to have those backup those support. loving caregivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So if you were in an episode, how long would that normally last? Wow, it just depends. Um, You know, when I'm in a really bad place, um, it can be an all-day, it can be an all-day session where I need people to help, Mm -hmm. help me get out of bed, help me stay out of bed, um, help me get outside, maybe go for a walk. Um, and then part of that is I'm, I have this mantra that now I'm ashamed. Now I failed. I'm not any good to anyone. And you, these thoughts really get in there and try to take hold. So that person kind of helping me push back on those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Listener said, I've uh, suffered immensely from depression mm-hmm. for years. This show right now is delivering me uh, so much from so much confusion. Oh. Is it a must that your counselor be Christian? You know, one of my best counselors actually wasn't a Christian he he gave me great tools. He gave me great feedback. 
um, I was able to infuse scripture into it. <laughs> so you can, counseling? yeah, you can hijack the secular counselor's material and just add the scripture to it. So I don't think it has to be, you know, obviously I, my own therapy and the own, the, you know, the care that I give people, I integrate Jesus into it. Right. But if you know the scriptures well, you can integrate it into what they're they're giving you. Ironically enough, uh, secular psychology, a lot of the principles are honestly very biblical. They just don't know it. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. So yeah. they come up with things that are already in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Janita, thank you for coming in and doing the show today. Yeah. And Danny Crompton, I, you know, thank you for texting in. He was the friend from Asheville. I, yeah. I, yeah, good old Danny. <laughs> All right. It's been a delight having you here. And again, Janita Pace has been my guest, and uh, you can go uh, learn about her at threeriversmn.com. That's that would right. work, wouldn't it? That's works. Yep. And her book, once again, is entitled Healing Names of Jesus. I'm glad you're catching this episode. It's a good one. Maybe you didn't hear it all and you just had this thought. Well, how can I do that? How can I hear it all? Well, my advanced training in answering that question is to go right to myfaithradio.com, and it's there. You can hear the entire podcast from start to finish. Thanks for listening. That wraps up our show for the day and for the week. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.